I think the one thing that people don't understand is that love is unconditional, but relationships are 100% conditional. And I think that we really have the two of those things really intertwined way too much. And so I want to talk about relationships today and the difference between conditional and unconditional and how different those two concepts really are. So stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Okay, so what do I mean by conditional and unconditional and love and yada, who cares, blah, 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 right? Love is something that we can do with anyone, regardless. There's not conditions placed on the energy of love because you are the energy of love. All that all that is, is the energy of love. It is pure. It is without resistance. It is without conditions. And the only thing that would separate you from love is something that is human something that is negative, something that pulls you from that space. And, you know, people say, oh, love is, I love you unconditionally. Well, that's gross. That's sadistic. That's not okay. You have to put conditions on relationships, healthy boundaries. And I always talk about the fact that we have so many things that we listen to that are so antiquated. Blood is thicker than water. Mom knows best, blah, blah, blah. And they're wrong. And unconditional love is literally love from afar. It is love without the relationship. How easy is it to say, love you, on social media, or with someone that you see once a year, or, you know, that you don't have interactions with on the daily, weekly, monthly. That's easy. That's being the Buddha on the mountain. That's not interacting. But when we have a true relationship, when we have interaction, when we have behavior and cause and effect and mikasa e sukasa, if I'm saying that right, there's going to be conditions. Because if there's not conditions, if there's not expectations, if there's not boundaries and parameters that are placed around behaviors and interactions, then it's negative, then it's chaos, then it's sadistic, to be honest with you. And that's okay. That's okay. Because I think that right now in the world, you know, we're learning so much about psychology. We're learning so much about narcissism and, you know, that we don't have to put up with people's bad behavior. We don't. And we're learning that. I know that might sound crazy to maybe someone who just refuses to put up with bad behavior, but for like the Gen Xers, like we've tolerated a bunch of bad behavior and just thought we kind of had to, but we don't. And we never did. You know, maybe you have to up until the age of 18, if you're listening to this, because you need a place to sleep. And, you know, again, mother and father know best. So how do you get yourself out of that? But as you age out of 
the hand that that opens and closes and holds the purse rules the world, i.e. your parents, you move into autonomy. I had an appointment with a client the other day and she was telling me that she was in a relationship with someone that was already in a relationship. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is when and if you are in a relationship with someone who is already in a relationship and this person is cheating on their relationship with you, I'm telling you this right now, that is pick me behavior. That is pick me energy. That is my dad or mom did not pick me. If it's a woman, it's usually their dad. My dad chose his work. My dad chose drugs. My dad chose alcohol. My dad chose another woman and his new family. My dad didn't choose me. And so I'm going to spend the rest of my life in an addiction with people picking me. And so you enter into relationships where you can be chosen above someone or something else. And that's not love. That's not equality. That's not an equal partnership. That person will always have control over you. They always have the upper hand. You never have the upper hand in a relationship when your partner, your person is in a relationship with someone else. Now, I'm not talking about polyamory. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. That's a whole nother podcast. I'm talking about two people who choose to be in a two-person relationship because I don't know enough about multiple relationships to speak on it. It's not my forte. But I think we need to get real serious about the importance of being a siloed, energetic, healthy person who gets into a relationship with another healthy person. And we need to start recognizing when we're not healthy based on making unhealthy choices. I just put it out to social media. I'm like, hey, I'm about to record a podcast. What should I record a podcast on? And the one person responded, what to do when you keep entering relationships and they keep failing and you give 100% of yourself and you give and give and give. And my reaction and response to that is you're giving too much. It's unequal. The, you're smothering the person. You can't give yourself to a relationship. You can be in a relationship as yourself. But when you give more than you're getting consistently, that is unhealthy. That is an imbalanced relationship. And so you have to read the room. You need to read the relationship. You need to read your partner. And if you are the type of person that can only give and not get, if you're the type of person that only gives and enters into relationships with people that don't give back, there's something unhealthy about you. There's something about you that either is incapable of receiving love or is such a people pleaser And is constantly, as I say, an appointment, tap dancing and spinning plates to make everyone around them comfortable, well, and of course, and even and to the detriment of yourself. It's imbalanced. It's imbalanced. So often when we have unhealthy, emotionally immature, narcissistic parents who are incapable of giving love 
those children are very uncomfortable with receiving love. It is awkward. It is uncomfortable to be touched. It's uncomfortable to receive affection. It's uncomfortable to receive a present or a compliment. Children of emotionally immature, unhealthy parents who withheld love from their kids, those children are insane givers, usually. They are very comfortable with giving and making jokes and making everyone happy and forgiving when they shouldn't and ignoring red flags to the detriment of themselves because that is how they were trained. That is how they were brought up. That is their programming. Their programming is to give to the parent and now to the partner and to the children and to society to their own detriment, to their own exhaustion, to their own imbalance. And what happens is, is that then you end up with an unhealthy partner who only wants to take, who is uncomfortable having difficult conversations. These are folks that don't want to, they don't want to have an equal partnership. They want to take, they've hooked up with someone that purely wants to give but the problem is, is this, and I think this is, this is what we need to look at. The problem is in a relationship like that, is that works when you're young. That works for seven years. That works for 10 years. That imbalanced relationship, that unhealthy relationship by two unhealthy people, and this is what we see in society, that works in the short term because what happens is is eventually one of the people in the relationship usually gets healthy usually gets therapy counseling figures it out wakes up one day decides that they don't want to be a people pleaser anymore realizes that they're exhausted realize that they're sick all the time realize that this way is not working anymore and then we see the divorce then we see the end of the relationship because that type of imbalance, that type of lack of health, that type of imbalance, illness, whatever, it can only last so long. And it can only last as long as both parties are not well, are still in their programming. And it can't last forever. And it usually doesn't. Either someone becomes, a, you know, addicted to alcohol and then the other person wakes up and they're sick of it or, you know, whatever the case is, the conditions start to pile up. The conditions start to pile up. You cannot live your entire life being a people pleaser and a giver. You have to have balance. And when we see people get in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and they haven't followed their dream and they haven't listened to themselves and they are starting to wake up to who they are, divorce is inevitable. It's coming. The program starts to get quieter of the dad picking someone else in their life. It becomes less loud, less loud. And this is why I tell my kids, do not get into a marriage before the age of 30, 28, et cetera, because you are still ridiculously 
inside of your programming from your parents. And P.S., I'm talking about myself. I'm talking to my children and telling them, look, I programmed you whether I like it or not. You were programmed by my fears, by my desires, by my my own stressors, by my bad behavior, by my selfishness. And hey, kids, you need about 10 years to undo all of that and find out who you are. Because whether we like it or not, whether we try as hard as we can or not, we cannot help but program our children. It's just the way it is. We eat at five o'clock, we eat lunch at noon, we eat breakfast at eight, you clean up your dishes, da, 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 and on and on and on and on. That's programming. You finish what you started, got to go to college, whatever it is, that's all programming. And so each individual leaves the nest and starts to peel away and find themselves which I always wondered when I was growing up, I was like, what are all these people talking about that they need to find themselves? What does that even mean? Right? What I got to find myself. I'm going to go on a, I'm going to go on a trip and find myself. I need to find myself. What? Yes. Finding yourself means I need to remove the program that was placed on me from the day I was born until I moved out of my parents' house and started to figure out who I am without the program, without the school, without the church, without the education, infiltration, without my parents, without my extended family telling me what I'm doing right or doing wrong or need to do or should do, all that shit. And it takes like 10 years to get rid of it all. Your mom decorated like this, you decorate like this. Or the opposite. Your parents did this and you rebelled so hard. You got yourself so into drugs or drinking or married the wrong guy or got pregnant when you shouldn't have or whatever else hell you did to rebel. And then you got to undo all that. You got to undo the program. Then you got to undo the rebellion. And then you got to figure out who am I without all of these 180s? Who am I without the extremes? Because you you most likely fall somewhere in the middle. And the closer you live to your family, the closer you live to your hometown, the closer you are to your program, and the harder it is to figure out who you are without it. And so the programming, the who you were, the who you were trained up to be, takes a while to wear off. It takes a while. And so I always say, don't get married till you're 30. So you figure out who you are without all of those layers. And the thing of it is, is once you figure it out, once you get healthy, once you realize I don't need to be picked, I don't need to be the special shiny one. I I went through all this. I'm not only just speaking from experience and clients and what I've seen and all these other things. I'm telling you this right now. I did pick me. I was the pick me girl. It was horrific. It was damaging. It was damaging wanting to be picked. But my parents got divorced when I was six. And unfortunately, my dad had a new family within five seconds. And, you know, when you're six years old and you get visitation and that's what it looks like. That's what it feels like. It is what it is. People make decisions and I don't blame anyone for their decisions. But it doesn't negate what it does. 
just because you don't want to hurt your children and you do the best that you can so that you don't hurt them. And I'm sure that no one had any ill intention when it came to me and raising me in any way, shape or form, and everyone did their best. There is still collateral damage. There's still going to be collateral damage from the behavior, from the from the out result of divorce. I did the very best that I could when I got my divorce with my two older kids. And I promise you, I still screwed them up. I promise you they still have wounds and trauma from visitation and plane rides and visitation and Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, sleep, blah, blah, blah. The whole thing. It's, it doesn't matter. You can do your best. And, and children are still going to have trauma from their childhood. They're still going to have shit that they need to re- remove. It's just the way that it is. And so when you have a parent that chooses someone and the child has to work for affection, you get a pick me. And I hate to make it so simplistic, but <laughs> I have a hard time not seeing it. And so you need to be profoundly aware. If you are in your 20s or 30s and your parent, one of your parents chose something besides you, profoundly chose, like obviously chose, like you felt that and you are in the wrong relationship over and over and over and over and over again, I would check in and ask yourself, am I a pick me? Am I dating people that are the low hanging fruit? Am I in a relationship with people or a person who has paid me some attention? I don't even know if I like them, but hey, you paid me attention. You like me, so I guess I'll like you. Because if you're in a relationship that feels bad or that you're not getting what you need or want as a human being, that means that you are attracting the wrong person. And if you are attracting the wrong person because these relationships keep ending or they're violent or they're abusive, you are an unhealthy person. You are not well because we attract what we are. And I know you're sitting there saying, no, I have my shit together. I just like the bad boy. Well, I just like the bad boy. I just like the bad girl. Nope. There's no such thing as liking the bad boy, okay? What you like is trauma, and you are programmed for trauma. Trauma. Yeah, trauma. You're used to it. You're used to being in fight or flight in your life. And so fight or flight, trauma drama feels natural and normal, and comfortable, and you're good at it. So that's what you attract. But I can fix him. No, you can't. It's just a phase. No, it isn't. And if it is, let them phase out on their own. You do healthy. If you're in a relationship where someone's beating your ass, or ignoring you, or ignoring your texts, or cheating on you, or being abusive, or calling you an asshole, or being mean to your kids, you are unhealthy person. You are unhealthy and you need to get help. And I'm not saying it's your fault that you're unhealthy, but now that you're listening to this podcast, now it is because now you know better. And when you know better, you have to do better because otherwise you just are enjoying the bad relationship. 
but they didn't start out this way. They were so nice in the beginning. Yes, but that means you attracted a narcissist who loved bomb you and is now an asshole and you are now staying. But it's so difficult to leave. I'm not saying that it's not, but it doesn't make it that you shouldn't leave. You're an active participant. You're not a victim. Go to your neighbor's house. Call the police. Go to a woman's shelter. Go to a men's shelter. Call a friend. Call a family member. Someone can get you out. There is a will, there's a way. You will find a way, trust me. If someone has laid their hands on you, but I love him unconditionally, no. Go ahead, love him unconditionally. But relationships, they must have conditions. And one of them is you can't put your hands on someone. You don't talk mean to someone. You don't fight with someone. You're not cruel to someone. Relationships have conditions, period. They have to. Because if they don't, if we're just willy-nilly running around in unhealthy relationships, that is passing down generational trauma that will go on for decades. If you're in a relationship where you're giving all, you are unhealthy. If you're in a relationship with someone that is in a relationship, you are unhealthy. Now you know but I love him. You don't know. No, what you love is being picked every time he comes back. What you love is him talking shit about his other relationship so that you feel special for once. This isn't impossible to figure out, but unless you're told, it sometimes is. Sometimes it's hard to figure out how did I get here? How did I get in my 15th relationship with someone that's abusive, who's an alcoholic? I talk to women all the time in their 60s where they've been in one abusive relationship after another where they're, you know, they were married for 30 years and it was abusive. It was traumatic. He ignored me. He cheated on me. And these people wait 30, 40, 20 years to get out. They're not going to change. The person that is hitting you, the person that is abusive, physically, emotionally, whatever, sexually abusive to you, they will never stop. I'm going to tell you this right now. It will never stop because you have entered into a pattern where that is your language. I say, I've said this before on the podcast. I don't remember what one, but the highest high that you've ever had in your relationship is always attainable again. You have now entered that upward ceiling, if you will, of possibilities of greatness. Like my husband took me on a vacation to Ireland and surprised me. From here on to the day that I die, that is now always a possibility. He has ruined his own life <laughs> because now I'm going to be like, so you surprising me with a vacation? Don't you know? I would love that. Don't you know? Because now that's a possibility. Before that, it wasn't. I went on a trip with my daughter to Bali in India. Now that's a possibility. They talk about millionaires. Once a millionaire makes a million bucks, it's easy because they've done it once. They know how to do it. It's the, the sky's the limit. That's it, that, The hardest part is the first million. But see, the problem is, is the bottom is also the same. The lowest of your low is always reattainable. So if he hit you once, if she punched you once, if a name was called once, that is always up for grabs. 
always. That's a place we can always go again. It's always easy to go back there. And so you need to recognize, geez, we're in in a pattern. And the, the possibility of breaking, because what it is, is now you're both inside of this co-meshment, codependent chaos. You're in it. And so he does this and she does that and she does this and he does that. And there you have it. And that goes with anything. Good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. Once you've entered a pattern in a relationship, it's very difficult to redo it, to undo it. Love? unconditional. Relationships, 100% conditional. Healthy boundaries, parameters for what you're willing to put up with. It all has to be there. I find it fascinating that we put so many parameters on jobs. I want to work from home. I need to make this much money. It needs to have full benefits. This My boss needs to be this way. But we think that like this relationship, it's like, oh my God, I'm just in love. Yeah, well, that's great. But you might want to figure out what your life is going to look like. And I'm not saying like when I met my husband that I'm currently married to within a few months of meeting him, he became unemployed. So there was that. So I wasn't like really looking at the relationship like, oh, he's going to make a lot of money or he's going to be wildly successful. Like, I didn't know. So this isn't about money. This is about when he tells me a story his family tells me the exact same story unprompted. When I ask him what he's doing, he's doing it. When I text them, they text back. When they say they're going to do something, they follow through. When we get in an argument, do they raise their voice? Do they immediately go to anger? Do they lose their damn mind? Are they kind? Do they remember your birthday and Valentine's Day? Because if they don't remember Valentine's Day in my house, dead meat. This is who you're in a relationship with. And I think so often, you know, in the past, so many of us, I don't know if people still do it or not. I'm Hopefully these young kids have it figured out. But you need to figure out exactly what you want it to feel like. So my recommendation is this. If you are looking to get into a relationship, this is my advice to you. It's kind of like manifesting. But for me, I look at it more like I want to get clear on things. So it's like a step of manifesting, right? So what I would tell you to do is go to CVS or your local drugstore or wherever you can get like a notebook. Be the cheapest notebook on the planet. I don't even care. It doesn't even need to have a lot of pages. And on the left-hand side of that notebook on page one, I want you to write, who am I? Who am I? Because I want you to get real clear about who you are. Who are you? I'm late to work. I send thoughtful text messages to people. I like to plan birthday parties. I am tall. I am a medium build. I have green eyes. I have blonde hair. Whatever it is. I have three kids. I love to travel. I can be snarky. Sarcasm is my second language. It doesn't matter what it is. Okay? Make it bullet point. This isn't, you know, this isn't a college essay. This is a bullet point thing. As you are going through your list, I own my own house. I have a good career. I am unemployed. Whatever it is, I don't care what it is, write it down. I want you to know who you are. 
Because you cannot get into a relationship and know your value and know your worth and know who you are and know what you're getting yourself into if you don't even know who the hell you are. What are your values? Who are you spiritually? Who are you emotionally? What are your flaws? And if you find a flaw on there or something that you really kind of want to change about yourself, on the right-hand side of the paper, opposite the flaw or the thing you want to change, say, oh, I want to be, I want to work on being on time. I'm going to start setting alarms. So not only are you figuring out who you are, you're also kind of looking through and combing it out and going, you know what? This I would like to change. This I want to work on. Now. I want you to scroll about third of the way through this notebook, third of the way through. So you started your list. Who am I? Third of the way through, flip through all those blank pages because we're going to maybe fill those up. Who knows? Because you could be a very complex person that needs lots of pages. And I want you to write ideal partner, ideal partner. And here's going to be the list of your ideal partner. And you can't be too specific. You can't. You can't with a apostrophe T. I want you to get down and dirty and very specific. I had a client one time. I was working on her with this. And she literally met her ideal person. And there was one flaw about this person that she is obsessed with and just failed to write it on her uh, list. And show enough, show enough. That was the flaw that he had. And she just couldn't get over it. So we quickly added that flaw to the list. So I want you also to write it in the positive, right? So if you think that you want someone with blue eyes, don't write not brown eyes. You would write, I like green eyes. I like blue eyes. I like gray eyes. Don't write not brown we're going to write all of these things in the positive. So if you're late, you're just going to write, I tend to be late. But we're not going to say not or no in the lists. Because what we're basically doing here is we're creating a written vision board. We're creating, we're getting clear, getting real clear. So when you're writing your list of your partner, loyal, spiritual, kind to waiters and waitresses, good with their family respectful, holds the door, pays for dinner. I don't know, whatever it is, whatever your thing is, taller than five foot five. Nothing against people that are shorter than that. I'm just five nine. So get specific, wears nice shoes, brushes their teeth, chews with their mouths shut. I don't care what it is, write it as a job. You got to write it all down. I want you to get real clear. This is a vision board, but it's written. Now, we're going to go back to the back of the notebook. And at the back of the notebook, we're going to write ideal partnership. This is your ideal partnership. What does it look like? What does it feel like? How does it sound? How often do you contact each other? Is your partner needy? Is he respectful? Is she sweet? Is she good with your mother? Does he have a full-time job? Does she like kids? Does she want kids? Does he want kids? Do you want to live on a farm? Do you want to live in the city? Whatever it is, I don't care. Don't, you cannot, you cannot be too specific because how in the heck are you going to know who they are if you don't even know what it feels like, what they look like, 
what type of characteristics this relationship would have. We're basically sending this out into the universe. And I know I've talked about this before. I know I have. But we're in a podcast about relationships, so I'm going to, you know, sprinkle my wisdom. It's okay to be conditional in relationships. It's actually very healthy. I have relationships in my life that are close family relationships, and there are 1,000% conditions on it. Because if not, that would be sadistic of me to, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, you know, we're, you're my relative, so I'll just put up with any of your shit. No, that's awful. That's mean to myself. I would be gaslighting myself to be like, oh, I'm happy. No, you're not. I'm not going to lie to myself. I'm not going to lie that this relationship is healthy and good and feels good and I want to stay in it, And but you're abusive. No, that's not what we're doing here today. So it's important. It's important that you have conditions and parameters and recognize the abuse, recognize why you're entering into abusive relationships, recognize that from now on, from here on out, you are no longer a victim. You are an active participant. In any relationship, I don't care if it's your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, I don't care what it is. If you have the ability, if you are over the age of 18 and you can get out, get out. It doesn't mean that you don't love that person, but it means that you can't be in that relationship anymore. And if you are attracting unhealthy people, I would bet 99.9% of the, my life that you are unhealthy and need to work on yourself. And if you are under the age of 30 and you are getting into a committed monogamous relationship, I want you to know that there is a very good chance that whoever you are today, you will not be in 10 years. And so you need to recognize that you better be both very healthy in a very healthy relationship where there is not abuse or addiction or fighting or whatever, because there is a very good chance one of you two are about to change. A very good chance. Because one day, one of you are going to wake up from the program and you're not going to continue in the bad behavior and the unhealthy behaviors that you've always found yourself okay with. You're going to wake up and not be okay with it anymore. So anyways, thank you guys as usual for listening. I hope that some of this helped. If you haven't picked up my book yet, Master Mindset. No, gosh, it's like I have uh, severe brain damage today. It's Mindset Mastermind. Lord have mercy. Mindset Mastermind, 10 Steps to Change Your Life Forever. Pick that up. It's available on Amazon, link in bio, link in the show notes. If there's a podcast episode or information that you want to talk to me about, or if you want to listen to, or if you want me to speak on it, message me on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or email me at meredithwillets at gmail.com. I'd be happy to um, talk about a podcast episode or topic, whatever you think. Hopefully this helped. If you are in, you know, 20 years old, 30 years old, trying to figure out your life, trying to figure out why your relationships aren't working, take a good look at yourself. You're the problem. And that's great. You want to be the problem. You want to be the problem because when you're the problem, then you can fix it. So it's when someone else is the problem, then you got to try to figure out why. So go deep here, guys. Go deep. Get healthy. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you here next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind-the-scenes footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.